Please ask a question. Yes, when you um, uh, say that when we believe on Jesus and that, and you try and explain to someone that it isn't a religion, and they try and trap you, they say you're religious, and you try and explain yeah. to them that you're not, that it's a way of life. It's yeah. the best way of going about you know, setting it apart from religion. Oh, I see, yeah. Um, I suppose that the thing in some ways is that obviously, in the technical use of the word religion, Christianity is a religion. So firstly, in the technical meaning of the word, you know, it is. But on the other hand, the great problem is that people mistake true Christianity for the generalised Christian religion that's out there today. And I think probably the way that I tend to define it is that when you have religion, which is obviously all to do with man and God and spiritual things and, you know, the ultimate questions, what's the meaning of life, why am I here, stuff like that. Religion answers that question by emphasising man. Can you see? It emphasises us, it emphasises people and what they have to do in order to partake in that religion. So religion is man's search for God. Religion is people having a set of beliefs um, and a code to live by and if they live according to that moral code then God will accept them. And some religious people do definitely believe in God, you know, they're quite clear about they definitely believe that God is there, alright, uh, and they definitely believe that there was something very important about Jesus. But other religious people don't actually have any objective beliefs at all, but they tend to say, if God is there because I'm religious, then he'll accept me. So the point about religion, the emphasis is on mankind, man's search for God and what we have to do in order to go on being accepted and acceptable to God. Um, and again, religion tends to be rather boring, uh, a bit restrictive, it's moral codes, do's and don'ts and stuff like that and um, you know it's uh, big emphasis on outward symbolism, uh, you know sort of like dog collars ritual can you see i mean that is now whereas if someone asked me to define christianity as opposed to religion then the emphasis immediately goes straight on the lord because the difference is that religion is man's search for god christianity shows us that it's not a question of man searching for god god has come to get man in jesus he came to do it um, it centres on what Jesus did on the cross to make salvation available, showing us, in fact, that in order to know God, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is accept the free gift. He's, he's offering us a relationship with him, and we accept that as a free gift. And then, of course, the Christian life is not sort of like all rules and regulations. It's not so much what we do for Jesus. It's what Jesus continues to do through us as he changes our lives. So I think that the main thing is that religion homes in on man. Christianity homes in on Jesus. And of course the great danger is that you can... I mean, in religion there are different types in the world, many types. There are Eastern faiths, pantheism, things like that. There are the more primitive ones, you know, things like, um, you know, polytheism, worshipping idols, or animism, saying that, 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 that God is in the trees and so you have to worship the trees. Or there are things like Buddhism, uh, or there are things like Shinto and all this. But also, 
there is the Christian religion. Now, the thing is, where the danger comes in, and this is Satan's ace in the hole, if he can come up with a religion that uses all the Christian jargon, uses all the Christian symbolism, and get people into that, then they're going to not realise their need actually for Jesus. So I think that that's the main thing. Religion centres on you. Christianity, because Jesus is alive, because he's here, because it's true, therefore that centres on him. And, um, you know, so I think that's the main thing. And remember, people's image of religion is that religion is a dowdy affair. Religion is less than life. Uh, for them, they see it that for them to become a Christian, and you see, this is what Satan's done. You talk about Christianity to people, and they immediately think of religion. Well, to them, religion is less than life. Religion is going to give them a worse quality of life. It's going to turn them into weirdos. It's going to, you see. Whereas the point is that Jesus, as opposed to religion, Jesus came to give us abundant life. And it's more of life. It's more of life. A different type of life, of course, but a better life and more of it as well. So the constant battle, certainly in this country, is between Christianity, the true faith, that Jesus is actually here. And remember, the thing about Christianity is that it's true. If no one on the earth believed in Jesus, that wouldn't change the fact that he's there. It's true, you see. But the conflict is between true Christianity, true faith in Jesus, and religion in this country, which has tended to be historically a bit Christianised. And uh, so that's why you can go into many churches. And you find people who are very well-meaning people, very sincere, but the point is they're totally separated from God because they haven't received Jesus as their saviour. And they are religious. And when you start talking to them about Jesus, they look at you a little bit funny. And they kind of take their distance. Because for religion, when religion looks at Christianity, true Christianity, when a religious person, who may be in the Christian tradition, but when a religious person looks at people like us, who are actually real Christians, and we're really following Jesus wholeheartedly, all they see are sort of like fanatics, or, oh, he looks a bit dodgy. Can you see? <laughs> the two won't mix very well. The only way they can mix is if genuine Christians compromise. That's the sadness. But uh, I think that's the why. Yeah, it's the emphasis of pointing to Jesus. And I tell people that I'm not religious. In fact, I used to be. Before I was a Christian, I did have a religious streak in me. Some people do. I had it. All right? Uh, I've got a yellow one as well. <laughs> but, but I had a religious streak in me quite naturally. Um, I, I, I was attracted to things religious. I didn't understand them but I was attracted to things religious. And remember that occultism, and that was my main involvement, is a religion. Occultism is religious practice, all right? But whereas you can be uh, sort of like in Islam, that's a religion, but it's satanic. The occult is a religion, but it's satanic, because it's not true, you see. It's totally wrong, it's just not true. Being any of those things, an occultist or Islam, is not going to get you to heaven. It'll just land you up in a lake of fire. So I had this religious bent in me. But when I met Jesus, that religious bent, he knocked out of me. It just went. Um, I mean, it's like, for instance, when I got converted, I, I, I had a pretty foul mouth. That went when I met Jesus. I just realised a few weeks later that, that there were words that I just couldn't... It didn't occur to me to use them. And when I heard them, they revolted me. 
That was simply because the Holy Spirit just changed me in that area of my life and the holiness of Jesus knocked out the sin in that part of my life. If only it had happened with every part of my sin, but of course it doesn't. That, you know, that's why you grow up as, as a Christian. But also, one of the other aspects of my sinful nature, the religious side, that also got dealt with as well. It just went. I wasn't interested anymore. Now, unfortunately, when I first got converted, I mean, the only places I knew about were institutional churches. So for years, I had a battle as my genuine Christianity was in conflict with the religiosity, albeit Christian religion, that I kept hitting up against. Um, but uh, nevertheless, that religious bent in me got knocked out of me. And, uh, you know, so I think that, that it, it is important. We've got to, to get it across that religion is actually satanic, and it is. You see, that's the point. And people who are religious, you tend to find as well, because another big difference between religion and Christianity, and of course this is the sense, the emphasis of religion is on us, of Christianity is on Jesus, because religious people, through what they do, are going, if there's a God, are going to go to heaven. It is totally self-righteous. And to God, it's despicable. Absolutely despicable. Look how religious the Pharisees were, and yet the Pharisees came in from more stick from Jesus than absolutely anybody else. So in fact, with religious people, and I mean, remember, let's, let's remind ourselves, technically Christianity is a religion, but we know the difference, the way I'm using these words, all right, you know, between the, two, the true and the false. But religious people are tremendous, the whole thing is, is built on their own pride. It's on what they are going to do. And that is the exact opposite to what God has said. God says there is only salvation through Jesus. You can do nothing to save yourselves. Religious people call him a liar. And they say, God, we're going to serve you. We're going to go to church, this, that and the other. Or the synagogue if they're religiously Jewish. Or down to the mosque if they're Islam. And they're saying, we're going to do this, that and the other for you, Lord. And of course, because we're you know, sort of so good you're going to accept us. And of course that is calling God a liar. Because the exact opposite is true. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves at all. So you'll see religion is satanic and religion has been the main uh, weapon of deception that Satan has used certainly in this country and other sort of countries as well. And uh, so we do have to realise that. Not everything, not all that glitters is gold and not everything Christian is Christian. Can you see? Because you can have something that's gold-plated. Or there's that false gold, isn't there? Iron pyrite, is it? It looks like gold. Is it iron pyrite? Yeah. It, it looks like gold, but when you examine it closer, you find it's not gold at all. It just has a superficial similarity to gold. Now, in the same way, religion in this country, on the Christian side, when you get into it, looks like Christianity. But when you look at it closely, you see that the difference that, that it's a superficial resemblance. When you examine it under the microscope, as it were, you'll find that it's not, in fact, Christianity at all. It's a satanic counterfeit. And remember, the main, one of the main conflicts that, that the early church had was because most of the early Christians initially were Jews who came out of Judaism, remembering that God gave them Judaism to show them they were sinners and needed a Messiah. The Jews took Judaism and turned it into a ladder that they could climb up in obedience to God. So that when Jews got converted, for them to follow Jesus, it turned their whole prior religious outlook absolutely upside down. And the great conflict 
that the early church had, and you see this largely in Paul as he writes, was the difference between being able to do nothing from God and receiving everything by grace, and the, the religiosity that these Jewish Christians brought into their faith, which was doing things for God. All right, and that it was this thing that, that either it's through what you do or it's through what God does. And the great conflict in the church was because, you know, people got in who were saying, no, you've got to do this, that and the other. It depends on us. It doesn't depend on God at all. And of course, what, what tends to happen is that when people get converted, and this is quite understandable, it's the only way it can work, that when people get converted, when the law comes into our lives, uh, there we are, we meet Jesus, and for however many years we've been a Christian, you know, for however many years we haven't known Jesus, we have been throughout all those years being programmed and brainwashed by the satanic doctrines and beliefs in the world, you know, be they materialistic atheism down to occultism or whatever. So there we come into the kingdom, Jesus receives us, we're saved, we're born again, no problem, but carrying around a vast storehouse of worldliness, worldly thinking, worldly act acting, straightforward sin. And the tendency is that we bring certain things over from our prior lives, and rather than judge them by the Bible and get rid of them and repent of them, we try and Christianize them. Do you see what I mean? So that what happens is, people come into the church quite genuinely, they get converted, but because there is so little teaching in the church today, and because error isn't identified as being error from the Bible, therefore what happens, people bring, out, bring in their unchristian beliefs, and they tend to Christianise those beliefs. Uh, I mean, for me, the great example was that when I got converted, I mean, the major, the two major influences in my life was occultism firstly on the religious front, but on the political front, I was a socialist. Now, what happened was that when I became a Christian, because I was reading the Bible and seeing things where the Bible coincides with socialism, and you'll find that certain teachings of the Bible absolutely coincide with socialism. All that means is that certain tenets of socialism are actually what the Bible teaches. The same as you can go on to the right wing, and some of the beliefs that right wing people hold coincide with what the Bible says. Both are wrong, they're completely wrong as systems, but they coincide here and there. But because I was a socialist, what I did is that I, I, I sort of grabbed on to the bits of the Bible, which, taken in isolation, made Jesus look like a socialist. And if there's one thing he wasn't, it was a socialist. Neither was he a conservative, but he certainly wasn't a socialist either. But I Christianised my socialism. Can you see what I mean? I kind of baptised it with me. And it was only through the years of coming to more and more understanding of the Bible. And the way it happened was that I found that there were so many things, as I got to know the Bible better, Alright, I mean, I started off with just little bits here and there, and that was fine, because obviously when you first get converted, you can't take it all in, can you? But as your knowledge of the Bible grows, what was happening to me is I was finding things that were quite clear in the Bible that morally affronted me. Morally affronted me. I, I couldn't accept they were right, you see. I mean, good example, capital punishment. I use, as, as a good socialist, 
I believe that capital punishment was absolutely savage, you see. And, and no, no, no civilization would put people to death who have been found guilty of murder. And there I was seeing the Bible where God actually commands in the Bible that a government ought to put to death people convicted of pre premeditated murder. I had a problem. I had a real problem with that. But can you see the battles just had to go, in, go on in my own mind until it eventually got to the point where my decision was quite simply this. Am I going to keep telling God that my ideas are better than his? Because can you see, because I was morally indignant at some of the things I was seeing in the Bible, in actual fact I was saying that I was more moral than God. There were things that God was saying were okay or good, which I was saying were wrong and vice versa. There are other things that I was saying was good that God was saying was wrong. I mean, it worked both ways. And eventually, I just had to decide, look, I've got to knuckle under. And in actual fact, what I had to do eventually was jettison every philosophical, political, and religious position I'd ever held. I had to jettison the whole lot and, and to come to God as a blank page and say, write on me. Can you see what I mean? And that this is, in fact, when, when the Bible talks, you know, in, uh, in Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that what happens is that God takes us with all our mental beliefs and he wants to get those out of them, our minds, and he wants to align us with believing the truth. And, of course, it's the Bible that does this. So, uh, pre-Christian ideas, be they religious, political, or whatever, everything has got to be brought to the touchstone of the Bible to find out what God's mind on these things are. I mean, another example where I hit the same problem, and I mean, again, because of the political beliefs that were inculcated into me as a child, because my, my parents... You know, my family was a socialist family, and very strong as well, is that I had a great problem with any idea of people having more than enough money. I thought it was dreadful. You know, I mean, I, I didn't believe that Christians should have a sp two spare pennies to rub together. That as soon as they had more than enough, they had to give the rest away. You know, and Christians in nice cars. It was an outrage to me, it really was. And yet, eventually, again, by coming up by going through the Bible, understanding it more and more, I was confronted with a God who not only didn't disapprove of riches, but actively made people in the Bible rich. And a God who, in the Bible, nowhere says it's wrong to be rich. It merely says that to covet riches is wrong. But it, and, and when the Bible speaks to rich people, it doesn't say they shouldn't be rich. It doesn't rebuke them for being rich. It tells them to be generous. So there, again, was another conflict. Can you see, my past programming was coming straight into conflict with the Bible. I mean, there are loads and loads of other examples. A lot of people today are racist. All right? So then you become a Christian. As you get to understand the Bible, you begin to realise that racism is a sin, an absolute sin. And that suddenly that racial prejudice inside of you, which is justified by a thousand different reasons, you just have to look at it and accept this is sin. You know, and, and so whether people come from the right or the left 
of politics. Whatever they come from, everything that we think and believe before we get converted has got to be judged and sifted and sorted out by the teaching of the Bible. And of course this is a constant process that we go through. And so therefore it's the same with religious ideas as well. That it's important that people, especially people who either had a Christian upbringing, whether that Christian upbringing was a real one or a religious one, not a real one, or whether there were people converted who had a lot of church contact before they got converted, then they too, especially, they're going to find that they're going to be Christianizing religious ideas and trying to force them into Christianity. And of course, this is where we must all the time go precisely and only by the word of God. Because the spirit of the age is what was inculcated into us before we were Christians. And all that thinking out there is satanic. It's all deception. And that when we get converted, what we've got to do is allow the Lord, through the scriptures, to sift out all that gunk. Because that's what it is. It's absolute gunk. To sift it out of us so that our minds are brought into alignment with, God, you know, with what God thinks. And you see, the thing being, because what God thinks is what lines up with reality. Anything other than what God thinks doesn't line up with reality and therefore it's going to get you into trouble and you're going to end up being far less than the person you should be as someone who knows Jesus and follows him. And, um, you know, so... I don't know if you wanted to, to come back on, on that at all, or if anyone else wanted to. I mean, very simply, you can say that, that if people say, you know, people used to say, are you religious? Blah, blah, blah. I say, no, I'm not religious. <coughs> you know, I'm a Christian. Then I'd say, if they say, what was, what was the difference or whatever, I'd just say that, that the essence of Christianity is, is a relationship, you know, between the individual and Jesus Christ. You know, you know he loves you, and you love him, mm. and that's it. Mm. That's simply, you know, that's the basis. Yeah, that's right. It, it's, all, it's all the time homing in on Jesus himself rather than us. And, um, I mean, sort of strange enough, I'll take this sort of one step further, actually, because, I mean, we've spoken about the sense that when you get converted, obviously all our pre-Christian ideas have eventually got to be judged by the Bible and therefore corrected. But one of the things that I've found, and I think many, many other people find this as well, and I think it's something that a lot of Christians have got to start being honest about. They're not going to like it, I didn't like it, but we've got to start being honest about this, is that, in fact, for me, it was a two-stage progress. Because I, I got converted, all right, so, so there were a lot of my worldly ideas, all right, that over the years had to go. But, of course, in the meantime, with those ideas sort of going and stuff like that, after I'd been a Christian for seven or eight years, I mean, obviously, I was up to the eyeballs, in fact, with false Christian teaching. Can you see? And the process had to start over again. Because, obviously, when you're converted, you tend to look up to other people who have been Christians a long time. Now, that is fundamentally a good, a good thing. It's good to have that attitude of looking to people, respecting them, and letting them teach you. But, of course, the tragedy is that young Christians, who can hardly be expected to test things for themselves because they haven't had enough time to get to know the Bible well, a lot of the teaching and advice they get is absolutely unscriptural. You know, verses hooked out of con context and stuff like that. So I found in actual fact that there came a time for me personally, um, and I won't go into how God did it because that was too complicated, but I, find, I, I found myself basically jettisoning 90% of what I'd learned since I got converted. And that I, I really had to, to just, again, to, to turn to the Bible 
and, and to try and do it, and the Lord enabled me to do it, to turn to the Bible as if I had never read it before. Can you see what I mean? Otherwise, you're bringing presuppositions in the same way that, I mean, I read sort of things like in the Bible about Jesus, you know, if someone asked for your coat, give him your jacket as well, you know, that sort of stuff. And the, 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 I'd, I'd see that out of context and I would read into it my socialist presuppositions. And because I was doing that, I totally you know, misunderstood what the Bible was teaching and ended up believing something that wasn't right. Because you're reading in a wrong presupposition into what the Bible says. Now, then, what happened, years after I'd been a, a Christian, is that I was realising that, again, I was doing that with the Bible, but with presuppositions I'd been given since I became a Christian, by other Christians, but presuppositions also that were wrong, you see. And, I mean, I was finding um, so many things weren't making sense. Can you see? I mean, I, I, I was finding... I was finding contradictions in the Bible, I was finding things that didn't make sense. I started to see strands of teaching in the Bible that went against everything that I'd been taught as a Christian. And yet there they were in the Bible. And so therefore I could only conclude that I'd started to get things very, very wrong. And in the meantime as well, I was living under an awful lot of guilt, having sort of, I mean, sort of got into this thing that, that sort of... God was wanting me to perform, you know, got to pray more, got to study the Bible more, got to witness more. Can you see, and my life was becoming a massive activity, but I was doing that out of guilt. If I was a good Christian, God would accept me and be pleased with me. So I, I realised that my life just wasn't bearing the fruit, love, joy and peace, because I was too screwed up. It wasn't bearing any fruit. I was seeing things in the Bible that didn't tie up. And of course the law was showing me very clearly that if what I'd been taught was true, then how come I was such an untogether person? I mean, how come I was telling non-Christians that I loved God? Which in my heart I did, but at the same time was terrified of him. Because one day he was going to get me and sort me out. Can you see? So, so therefore, it was just that I jettisoned everything. I, I, I came to the Bible afresh and I brought to, with, with me one presupposition. And the only one I allowed was this. The Bible is right. Everything else is wrong. I, I came to it as a blank sheet of paper. Simply so that God could write on me, if you like, anything, providing I could see it clearly in the Bible. Can you see what I mean? And of course, from that process, I mean, the Bible just opens up and the truth just lays itself bare. Itself bare. And it's so wonderful and so beautiful. But it's our presuppositions that get in the way. This is the thing. So we've got to get shot of those and come to the Bible, you know, sort of like, and just let it speak to us. And where we find ourselves disagreeing with the Bible, we have got to stop trying to twist the Bible to suit our presuppositions. We've got to start judging our presuppositions and to say, look, we are the ones that, you know, we are wrong. I mean, it's like, for instance, you know, I mean, one, I chuck this out because it's so topical today, um, you know, is that sort of one thing is that the Bible clearly teaches that in the, the church, fellowships are to be led by an eldership of men and not women. Now, today, that goes against the spirit of the age, you see, because we've got feminism 
Someone's going to get that daddy long legs in a minute, aren't they? Is it? Is it really making people paranoid, or is, is it actually making anyone paranoid, or, or could we just ignore it because it's not actually doing? It's making just just. When it comes there, you'll kill it. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah. And and that the Bible says quite clearly that in the church the eldership is to be male. The spirit of the age is all the time female equality. Now, of course, the point is this. The fact that the church is to be led by men doesn't mean that women aren't equal to men. It's purely a functional thing. Women are as equal to men. There's no question about it. Of course they are. They're created in God's image. But the Bible says that when it comes to function, all right, the man is in charge. Wives, submit to your husbands. And the leadership in the church has got to be male. Now, the spirit of the age doesn't like this. This, this is not going to make us popular with non-Christians, you see. So, therefore, what you see the church doing, and this isn't just institutional churches, the house churches are doing it now. They're bringing women into eldership and authority positions in the church, and they are twisting the Bible unbelievably in order to try and justify it. And there are even, I mean, today there are genuine spirit-filled Christian leaders. I mean, they are genuine Christian-filled, spirit-filled Christian leaders. And they are saying things like the teaching in the Bible about women not being leaders was purely sort of like the cultural scenario that the apostles were brought up in. So, of course, they wouldn't allow women to lead in the church because the world then was down on the women. So they're saying that, in actual fact, the Bible is wrong about that. It's an issue that we can see now it's wrong, can't we? And they're willing to take one aspect of the Bible and to say the Bible's wrong and to then, against what the Bible says, do the exact opposite of what the Bible says. Now, of course, can you see the lunacy of that? And the lunacy of it is this. If we're going to turn to the Bible and look at the teachings about leadership in the church, that it must be men and not women, if we're going to turn to that strand of teaching in the Bible and say that the Bible has got it wrong, then can you see that if you do it on one point, you have no basis to argue against another Christian who does it on another point? I mean, let's face it, how would you react if I said that the Bible's teaching on sexual morality was merely the result of the culture they were in. Actually, we, we now know that Paul was wrong about sexual morality. It is all right to fornicate. Now, if I said that, leaders, quite rightly, Christians in general, would be saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I would say to them, how do you know I'm wrong? They would say, the Bible says, all right? Among those people saying that to me would be leaders who are saying the Bible is wrong about what it says about the position of women in the church. Therefore, my reply to them would be, oh yes, but in the same way that you realise that the Bible was wrong about women, I realise the Bible is wrong about sex. And can you see, they've got no basis to argue with me on. They are saying, quite arbitrarily, the Bible is right about sexuality, but it's wrong about women being in leadership. Now, can you see, if you maintain that, how can you demonstrate it? Because I can say, no, the Bible is right about women, but it's wrong about sexuality. A sexual free-for-all is perfectly okay. Because, after all, the world's doing a sexual free-for-all. 
Well, the only reason the church is now looking to bringing, you know, to bring women into leadership is because that's what the world's doing. Well, I mean, the world is into sexual immorality in a big way. And can you see how arbitrary it is? This is why the only way, there's only one way to approach the Bible. It is all true. Can you see? There's no question of saying the Bible's wrong here, there, and, and somewhere else, because then all that's happening is you have become your own final authority. When people turn around and say the Bible is wrong to say that women shouldn't be in leadership in the church, what they are doing is that they are saying the Bible isn't the final authority, we are. We decide what in the Bible is actually what God says. And can you see the craziness? And of course, like today, it's women leadership. Tomorrow, it will be another satanic deception. And can you see the world is, and, and this is now happening. I mean, the charismatic movement, I think now is probably beyond recovery. You know, I mean, it's got so bad, the worldliness and the satanic teaching in it has gone so far now. You know, I mean, the charismatic movement endorses modern psychology. Modern psychology works on presuppositions which are totally satanic, you see. And I think that now, with the, I mean, fortunately, the charismatic movement isn't something you join like a church or something like that. But I think that one's got to now just distance yourself from it. It's beyond the pale. But even in house churches now, which, which really sought to be so true to the scriptures, they're being eaten away by it as well. As I say, today it's women in leadership, what will it be tomorrow? And can you see, I mean, the picture that I often use, and I think I've done it here before, it's like being in a space capsule. The Bible is a space capsule, all right? But if you're in a space capsule, if you have one hole in it, just one tiny meteorite punctures your hole, you're dead. It takes a long time. The air isn't escaping fast enough. I mean, it's not like this you know, sort of a great 10-foot diameter hole in the, the hull, but a tiny little meteorite, all right? Now, the point is, you don't notice it at first, but give it time enough and you're dead. And, of course, what happens is that if you allow for the Bible being wrong in one particular place, well, that's your little meteorite <coughs> hole. In time, you're dead. Can you see? Because it spreads. Um, if one bit's wrong, how can you say another bit is right? How can mm. you just say that all modern psychology is wrong? Well, because I've studied modern psychology. And um, if you... There are terrific numbers uh, approaches to psychology. Yeah, Freudian, Jungian, all produced by non-Christians. I mean, people like Freud... Psychology is a study of human behaviour, study of the mind. Now, what's wrong with that as such? Right, okay. Psychology isn't the study of human behaviour. Psychology is the study of the mind. It was the second thing that you said that is right. The thing is... Uh, hang on, the, could you go a little slower because right, okay. we're sweeping these things away without, without giving... Right, psychology advice. is not... All human behaviour comes out of the mind. So yeah. what is the distinction particularly between the study of the mind and what comes out right. in behaviour? The definition of the science of chemistry is chemicals, alright? Mm. The definition of the science of psychology is the mind, alright? Psyche, psychology, mind. Now the point is that psychology is unique amongst the sciences because it isn't a science. Physics, chemistry, biology are true sciences. The reason they are true sciences is because they are examining matter. Their findings can be demonstrated in a test tube. They can reach, they can formulate theories, they can then study the subject, and they can actually demonstrate whether their theory is what is happening in reality. So they come up with a theory that, that X equals YY, all right, or whatever. So they, they, they set it up and they can actually observe 
whether the universe is acting that way, be they biologists or chemists. Maybe that's it's venerable. Yeah, but why, why is there no? What is wrong with, with, with the study of the human mind? Right, I'll tell you. Right, I'll tell you. Psychology is alone amongst the sciences, and in fact, psychology is not a science. Psychology cannot be a science. Science is to do with matter. The mind, by definition, is not material. Therefore, you cannot approach the mind using the laws of science. In actual fact, psychology is not a science. It should not technically be called a science because no, you cannot demonstrate. It, mean, well, no, you have, it's... You have human behaviour, mm, we know that. That's right. a fact. We're watching mm. it all the time. People study it in a systematic mm. way. What do you want to call it? Right. The difference is this. When a biologist comes along, when he tells you about, uh, you know, sort of like respiration, that biologist can then prove to you that what he's saying is true. So that, for instance, he says to you that air goes into the lungs, it filters through into the alveoli, it goes into the bloodstream, oxygenates the blood, and... No, no, hang on, if I can finish, Ed, it's, it's very important I can finish. Therefore, a biologist is making truthful statements, authoritative statements about the nature of something because he can prove to anyone that it's true. He you comes up... No, no, hang on, can I finish? Can I finish? Because I've got to build up this argument or it won't make sense what I'm going to say. So a biologist comes along making statements about the nature of biological creatures and biological processes. You can test whether what he says is true or false by observation. Therefore, the biologist comes up with physical laws. This is the same with a chemist, it's the same with a physicist, or whatever. Now, the difference with psychology, and the reason that psychology is not a true science, is because psychologists come along, all right, and, I mean, sort of, it's developed. I mean, Freud came forward with his theories. Uh, you get people like Jung, Fromm, people like these, they come along with their theories, all right? People are then assessed and treated for psychological disorder on the basis of these theories that psychologists have come up with. The difference is this. If you go to the doctor with a headache, he can give you an aspirin. He can give you an aspirin and it will make your headache go away because it can be proven what a headache is and the effect that an aspirin will have on you and the headache will go away. The point about psychology is that psychologists cannot prove that any of the psychological theories are true. But that's if you start with a theory. That's all you can start with. Theory. How can if you do you psychology without starting with theory? You can't do anything well, without starting with theory. And you observe cause and effect. You're making a, a terrific assumption. You're assuming... You're making an assumption. You have the behaviour before you and you search for the reasons for it, which emanate from something occurring in the mind. Yeah. Right? And you want to find out why. Yeah. Well, in fact, you just said it. You said the beginning was like a psychology itself, per se, is wrong. It I is. Well, no. What no, I'm saying that, is yeah, that psychology itself... It is. That's exactly it's the problem. The point. I mean, the point is that some things in psychology work. Obviously, about phobias, some treatments work and some don't. They're kind of catch-box-like statements that can work and they can't work. Other areas, like the theories, are often about people, about, I suppose, the psyche and the soul kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
and it's that area that's a more dubious, but it's a bit like sort of like astronomy. I mean, there's some parts of astronomy that are observational, they work and they show what God's doing in the skies. Mm -hmm. But now astronomers are talking about how was creation started, how was the Big Bang was involved. Mm -hmm. And that's what it gets to this kind of yeah. between. Yeah, for the following it's, reason. When that's, science that's, that's, no, 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 yeah. hang on, because if what I'm trying to say there is that their astronomers are just some will therefore sort of in a sense follow and say, what I'm actually doing is showing what God's done by looking at it. And yeah. I'll just say, no, what I'm trying to do is find a man made explanation for what God's done. That's all I think is happening. Yeah, you can't the, say yes or no. Well, well I, 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 I can, and I'm going to demonstrate why. On the point about astronomy, you see, the point is, when scientists want to find information about the universe, an astronomer compiles his figures, he studies and he proves, all right? So that when astronomers reach out to, to, to find understanding about the universe as it is now, that is scientific. When astronomers start talking about how the universe got here, science, by definition, cannot deal with origins. Because science is on personal observation. No one was here to observe the beginning of the universe. So the difference is, so astronomers working on finding out about the universe now, that is science. As soon as an astronomer starts to speculate about how the universe came into being, he is no longer being scientific. He is being philosophical because he, there is no way for him to demonstrate the truth of what he's saying it's unverifiable scientifically therefore the point about psychology psychology is at all points unverifiable scientifically in the sense that you can look at the human body and find out how it works and therefore how to treat it purely by using science because you're observing matter when it comes to psychology, what's happened today with modern psychology is that all it can do, yeah, sure, it makes observations, all right. It, it can see that in certain circumstances, if someone turns around and sees a bus coming from them, they'll be frightened. Yes, you can make observations like that, but what you cannot do... No, 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 hang on. What you cannot do is to define in any way what the mind is or how it works. Now, the danger is quite simply this. Because none of these things can be proven, therefore you don't know whether they're right or wrong. And the point about psychology today is that Christians are beginning to use it, and they're using psychological techniques which, has been, which have been developed based on theories by prior psychologists who have no way to prove that their theories are true. In actual fact, psychology must be put more in the area of the occult than in the area of science. Especially as so much psychology today totally goes against what the Word of God says. And of course the great problem is that by studying psychology, you begin to get an idea of the way that psychology defines man. Can you see? Because we know that man has got a mind, he's got more than a body, he's a mental creature. So psychology is actually attempting a definition of what man is. Well, first, but I believe that psychology is observing the result of certain causes, certain actions, certain treatment. Uh, in uh, the outworking of that in human behaviour. I believe if, that if that's that true, you, if that's true, you haven't studied psychology. I believe it has because, 
Well, you say it has validity, and I but... That, I believe that uh, intelligent, sensible people are observing over long periods, through generations, in fact, and collecting that material. And when you put it together, you have a basis from which you can work. Right, scientists... It's not mathematically exact, because it's not dealing with something that can be that precise. Precisely, therefore, it cannot, by definition, be a science. Well, That's no the precise point. No, no, because the point is... is Right, but the point is, it and is it used is and applied as a science. This is the deception of it. That there is genuine psychology, and there's that which is false, which has a false, a false base. To and how do you know? Just as there is false Christianity. Right, how do you know what psychology is false and what psychology is true? By looking into it and by 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 testing it against reason. Against reason. Mm -hmm. No, it's got to be you by the word of God. Is, well, you can test it? it against the word of God, and if there's no conflict, then it'd be all right. Right, but that's the point. The fundamental presupposition of all psychology is, is anti-biblical. This is precisely the point. Well, what you said... There's a random way of dealing with everything that crops up, or there's an intelligent, systematic way of dealing with it. And what I'm trying to say is that in the area of psychology, which is very controversial, there has been a body of knowledge built up, yeah. which is dealt with systematically and applied that's to... Right. to, to uh, behaviour as it mm. occurs, with considerably good effect. Right, okay, now let me say something. There has also, over the years, built up another teaching, which has come over the years by observations of great scientists and many scientists, it's called evolution. Evolution is a satanic lie, because it's, it's unscientific and it's based on wrong presuppositions. Yeah, well, no, hang on, that, the presupposition... Know, I, I'm trying to make a case for uh, intelligent observation coupled with the word of God. Uh, I can see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but your question was about psychology. Psychology. I'm talking about psychology. You can't square psychology with what the Bible says. You can't. The two just fit. I mean, they don't fit. The same with evolution. Certainly, you can learn about people a bit, but you can't merge psychology in any sense of the word with the scripture because it's built on fundamentally wrong presuppositions. And also, in psychology, and this is the same with evolution, yeah, because also, you see, the point is that there are as many psychological theories as there are psychologists. But you can't do psychology without that. You cannot have psychology, is that what you're saying? You cannot have the observation, systematic intelligence observation of human behaviour. The systematic observation of human behaviour is not psychology. What is it? That's a systematic observation of human behaviour. The I point is, what you're talking about... Yeah, yeah, but with psychology, the, the, the point... Some parts of psychology do do that, some parts do the theories. I mean, some parts do the systematic yeah. behaviourists, do the systematic... Yeah, looking at. that's right, but... but I, just say, I think it's still about the terms used. No, it, no, it's not, Omar. It's just it's about, no, it's, it's not. Right, you can both be wrong. No, that's... It, yeah. Not at all, and the reason is this. Every time, I mean, every time someone goes to a psychologist, all right, because finally, psychology exists to do something, doesn't it? Every time someone is subjective, subjected to the practice of psychology, all right, you go to your doctor, you are subjected to the practice of medical science. Every time someone goes to a psychologist or goes to someone who uses the results of, psychological, of psychology on them, 
they are being submitted to techniques the techniques themselves having been based on presuppositions about the mind of man which are false that is the point can you see what I'm saying? It well, cannot be neutral. Are. You're saying this and you're sweeping the whole thing aside. I believe that there is a genuine body of knowledge there which is... Where? Where is it? And who is saying it? But you're sweeping it aside. I can't yet do that because I don't know enough about it. No. I do, oh. but I, at this point, I believe that is not all satanic. Uh, as you seem to be well, I mean, in saying it's satanic, I'm saying it's satanic in the same league I as mean, evolution. Evolution goes against... Schools. Are these people dealing with our school children on the basis of satanic doctrine? Is that what you're saying? That they, they cannot help the young people, in fact, that they're damaging the young people that are going to them throughout the nation? Yes, I, I, think that is, I, I think that is a very and fair assessment. Because, sweeping. for instance, many, many people involved in psychology, many, many psychologists are what's called behaviorists. Now, behaviorism takes two forms. There's genetic and there's social. Now, the genetic behaviorists say that every action a human being takes is the result of some pre-programming he went through before, all right? Chemically. So that if someone's a thief, he's a thief chemically. It's a chemical problem. If someone's um, a frightened person, timid, it's a chemical problem. Other people, they're not, they're not on the chemical side, they're on the behaviourist side. And they say that everything you are doing now is a result of your experiences of life before. Now, is it not, is it not true to say that today, the, the great emphasis that, for instance, criminals, they don't need punishment, they need help. They're ill, they're sick. This is modern psychology. That is totally anti-biblical. Because the Bible says that what you do now, you do because you want to. And you are responsible for it. Otherwise, That's what psychology... To it, but if, when, when you see something happening before and you're trying to trace that back to what caused it, that's also yeah. psychology. And that can't be wrong because you're trying to find out why somebody is acting... Right, but the, te the, right, but the technique well, on, they use at the end... Come bang in straight away, you know. The pro Edward, the that be rude? That well, I mean, you, you're holding for yeah, it. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to answer each point as it comes up. Can you see? We've got to take each point as it comes up. Because whereas what you say, yeah, someone could look at somebody with a problem and they could, if, if you like, you know, use psychology to try and trace back or whatever. But the point is this. They are using modern psychology. When they've used modern psychology to get to the root of the problem, what are they then going to use to deal with the problem? Psychology. And that is the deception. Can you see? So that there are people today who, for instance, there's something wrong with them, all right? I mean, there's sin in their lives. They're told this is the result of a poor upbringing. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin is sin. What psychology does is that finally it says that we are not responsible for our own actions, but by psychological and social manipulation we can change ourselves. Now that is what psychology is all about. And you see, the thing is this, how can psychology be approached unless you do it from the Word of God? 
And the word of God is the one thing that modern psychologists don't believe in. Can you see the point I'm making? Psychology is a philosophical system. It's a religion. There's no proof of any of it. I mean, Freud maintains that by the age of five, the experiences that someone has by the age of five has totally preset what they're going to be in older life. Now, things like this are fundamental to psychology. They're totally against what the Word of God teaches, you see. This is the point. And in the same way that evolution is accepted as being true, it's what the scientists say, isn't it? We know that evolution is a satanic lie. Now, the same with modern psychology. The theories, okay, they sound marvellous, and it's scientists who are telling them all. I mean, do you realise that C.G. Jung was an occultist? A lot of psychologists are occultists. I'm not supporting that. I'm no, but these are the men who have developed. Can you see psychology today believes that, that psychology can change people? That, you know, they believe that in the same way that a doctor can make a body well by the use of drugs, that by the manipulation of the mind, because when a doctor gives you a drug, he's manipulating your body, and that's quite valid. But psychology manipulates the mind, but based on what it believes the mind is. Can you see what I'm saying? And this is where Christians getting into psychology is very, very dodgy, because they're not testing what they've got by the word of God. I don't think you see what I'm saying. Well, I see what you're saying, but... Um, I mean, really, what you're doing way. is that you're saying that using psychology in Christian ministry is valid. That's what I you're saying. Said that. No, I but that, that that's what, what lies I'm behind what you're saying. I'm trying to grapple with what you're proposing, what you're stating, that, um, which seems to be that basically all psychology is wrong. Um, yeah, I if you. Very hard to accept. Well, the thing to do is to study psychology. Mm. Um, I did a teacher training course. Um, I was taught a lot of psychology, um, and even now I relate back in my mind. Do you know what I mean? If you if you've learned something, if you've been through a degree and you've learned this, this, and this, and uh, especially sort of books in child development. Um, their body and their mind and what they're expected to do at certain ages. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And um, I've got two children that are particularly advanced for their age and they don't fit in with any of it. Do you see what I mean? Right along the line, they just don't. And But I still find my mind swinging back to it mm. because I was taught it. Now what I'm trying to say is um, I believe the Lord has shown me in that as a Christian that he creates an individual, and uh, that that person is an individual, and they can't fit into anyone's theories. I can't fit into anyone's theories. You can't because we're so different. And I might be angry and smash your room up, or you, you know, or, or go out and commit a crime. But we do it for different reasons. We we wouldn't do it because you know they, they say if you behave like this or if you behave like that, then. Um, uh, you, you know, it's because of such and such, and you can't do that because mate, God made us so so individualistic. Because each one of us is so different. And when I look at my children, my eight-year-old's got a reading age of twelve, and she's decidedly more advanced than eight. Do you see what I mean? And there's nowhere all the way through her development that she fitted into this book of psychology yeah, that's that your I are, are 
But well, no, no, I don't believe that because I've been looking at that and I don't believe that because mm. I look at many people and I think to myself, nobody fits in with that. And I can look back to my own child and I didn't fit in with that. Some are, are, are slower, some are higher, mm. more advanced. But there, there's such a difference. It's not even just, I'm not just talking about sort of uh, educationally, it, it's, it's the whole being. We're mm. all so different. And our personality can hold us back or it can't do, or there's so many factors. And because we're all so different, mm. that you can't fit us into any theories. Mm. I think my first It's damaging. Thinking, I think it, the whole sort of arguing about psychology and this thing started off with when you said about house churches using mm. that. And to me, it seems that the whole idea of it being wrong is that it's, it's kind of saying. It's not looking to Jesus, is it? It's, uh, that's no, right. It's all human. Mm. Yeah. It's all human. That's right. It's, it's, it's human yeah. thought and plan. Yeah, that's right. But of course, what's happening God. today is that the church is wholesale accepting modern psychological theory as being correct. And I mean, this is just the fact. They are. I mean, I know Christians who sort of, when they're at prayer or when they're telling someone about Jesus, they're Bible-believing Christians. Someone comes along with a problem for ministry and they suddenly turn into Freudian, Jungian psychoanalysts without realising that Freud and Jung were satanic. They were satanic. This is the point, that they're using techniques which have been developed on presuppositions that are totally anti-scriptural. This is the great danger. And it's an incredibly widespread problem today. That, that, I mean, Christians, I mean, how many churches, I mean, do counselling courses? The average counselling course that you go to today, you're going to be taught modern psychological theory, which is pushed into the Bible, and the Bible will be made to accommodate it. And it's pure deception. And this is the danger of it. I mean, surely, if you want to learn about how to deal with people's emotional problems, I suggest you turn to the Bible. You don't turn to psychiatrists. You don't turn to psychologists you turn to the Word of God. If you want to find out how the universe began, you don't turn to Charles Darwin, you turn to the Bible. And what Charles Darwin on evolution and the origin of man and psychology have in common, and this is what we must bring ourselves back to, because this is the principle upon which it all rests. When Charles Darwin was studying biological specimens, he was being scientific. He was dealing with that which could be observed and demonstrated. Can you see what I mean? It could be proven. There was no question of something false coming through. It could be verified. But when Darwin turned to the origin of man, it's unprovable. He was being unscientific. All you can do is to bring forward a theory. That theory has been accepted as being true, even though it hasn't been proven, and the results are disastrous in the modern world. But, here's the point, psychology, likewise, is not a science. It's a pseudoscience. Therefore, its tenets, its techniques, they, they cannot be proven to be true. And people are subjecting themselves to mind manipulation which has been developed from theories about the origin of man and his mind which don't take into account the fact that man is created in the image of God. Can you see? Of course it's satanic. Psychology is a system. It's a philosophy. It may be right here or there, 
you know, make observations. You know, if you smack a child, the tra child is traumatised. Well, psychology is right when it says that, because that's quite right. Children need to be traumatised by dad and mum sometimes, don't they? That's part of discipline. But the point is the system as a whole is completely wrong. And it was only in the 60s that along comes child psychologist, one Dr Spock, telling us about how if you discipline children, I'm not talking about Star Trek, I'm talking about Benjamin Spock, who, who comes along saying that of course we now know that it's, it's so important for children in the early years, they must be loved, they, they must know that they're accepted, which, I mean, who needs to be a psychologist? I mean, I, I could have told him that from the Bible, all right, in 1950, if I'd have been alive. But the point is, so he then says, right, so this means you mustn't spank your children. You'll traumatise them. If you spank your children, they'll feel rejected and they'll grow up and, and they'll become misfits. They'll become hooligans because they'll feel rejected. Poor, poor dears, all right? And he says, and you mustn't tell them what to do. If they come home from school and they don't want to do their homework, well, that's fine. They've got to learn decision-making. Can you see? Right, now, what has happened to the generation of parents who listened to Dr. Spot? I'll tell you. They reared the thuggos that you can see on the news any night of the week, all right? And Spock himself has now recanted his theories, saying, obviously, they didn't work. And a whole generation, including Christians, swallowed it hook, line and sinker. But the incredible thing is this. There are many, many Christians who, because they have been exposed to modern psychology... They believe that it's wrong for a mother and father to strike a child, to discipline it. When the Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. Now, I mean, can you see, that's an example of how psychology is opposed to the Bible. Can you see what I'm saying? And that there's nothing, if there's anything we need to know about behaviour, or how to deal with situations. There's nothing that psychology needs to tell us, even when it's right, because it's all in the Word of God anyway. And if psychology says something that is right, how do we know it's right? Because it's in agreement with the Word of God. But the Word of God was finished 2,000 years before modern psychology ever happened. Can you see, we just don't need it. There's no practical use for it. Can you see what I mean? I mean, what, for 6,000 years, mothers, mothers have been giving birth and bringing up children. Today, there are mothers walking around who are frightened to bring their children up because they've read so many books about you do it this way, you do it that way, and they're confused. Can you see, this is what modern psychology has done to us. But it's very, very dangerous when modern psycho psychological techniques are used in the church and they are being used. You've heard about this healing of the memory stuff, all right. Christians are using this healing of the emotions and the body through visualisation techniques. You will not find that in the Bible, but you will find it in occultism as long as occultism has been around. It is a standard occult practice which has been integrated into modern psychology. And shall I tell you why? Because it works. It works. But the question isn't, does it work? The question is, who's bringing the result about? Is it God or is it the devil? 
can you see? There's so much in modern psychology that it's just straight occult practice. And it's absolutely dreadful. And now we've got Christians doing it. You know, and, and there's, there's danger. There's danger. And thankfully now, on the Christian scene, there are men who, who really sort of, they, they know their stuff on this. And they are starting to, to produce books and teaching specifically to warn the church at large about it. Can you see? Mm-hmm. And they've researched it, psychology. They've researched it, the occult, and all this stuff. And many, many things happening in the church today. You cannot trace them back to the Bible because they're not in the Bible. But you can trace them via modern psychology back into occultism. That's what's happened. Occult practice was taken into psychological theory and is now dispensed scientifically. When all it is, is occultism still. And it's very, very dangerous. And I certainly find, you know, I'm convinced that in actual fact, when people go through these very psychological sessions, whether they're doing it with a psychologist or whether they're doing it with another Christian, they are being subjected to a practice developed by men who worshipped and followed evil spirits thousands of years ago. They are being subjected to that. And I'm pretty clear in my own mind that many of the problems they suffer from are brought about by that counselling. Can you see what I mean? I've known normal people submit to this type of counselling and afterwards they're forever in emotional problems. In the same way that if you went to an occultist and had prayer for healing, you might get healed. Your initial need might be met, but my goodness, you'd end up in a spiritual and emotional mess afterwards. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's sad, but someone and, you know, gladly other people are doing it, someone has got to take a stand against it somewhere. Well, Leanne Payne is, as you know, quite well, well into, deeply into, it's um, kind of in her healing, has been mm. doing it for something like 20 years. Mm. Now, she quotes <coughs> case studies, as she calls them, of people who have been delivered, or she alleges that delivered mm. from lesbianism and homosexuality. Mm. And, um, she tries to show them how they became lesbian and homosexual. Mm. Uh, and then, through prayer, they're released from that. Prayer plus psychological techniques. Prayer plus the psychological Yeah, but that's important. Through prayer plus psychological yeah. techniques. But anyway, uh, apparently, these people are uh, delivered from that. Uh, the homosexuals and heterosexual are able to marry and are able to express their masculinity. And, mm. uh, do not appear to have a repression mm. form or condition the same as lesbian. Now, mm. Where is that going to break down and become something uh, horrific? Right. Well, t- two things. Firstly, many, many people who get converted who had a homosexual or lesbian problem come through to deliverance without any of that stuff, just with prayer, mm. prayer and fellowship. That's the first thing. Secondly, and I mean sort of people like, you know, these kind of prayer counsellors, they don't have the monopoly on bringing deliverance. A lot of people think they do, but that's not true, they don't. But the second thing is this. Do you remember last week, I, was it last week, I mentioned Dr. Kenneth McCall. Now, Kenneth McCall is a spirit-filled Christian. He believes that many people have emotional problems, and among them could be homosexuality or lesbianism, because someone who has had a radical influence on their life, but who is dead, is literally haunting them. 
Kenneth McCall believes that someone who's died can get stuck on earth as an earthbound spirit and can latch onto you. So therefore, what Kenneth McCall does with some people, and he's written a book called Healing the Family Tree, and this book is chock-a-block full of examples of Christians coming to him for ministry with their problems and going away with the problems gone. What he does is they come along for ministry, all right? And so what he does, first of all, he examines the problem, gets an idea of their background, and he draws up the family tree, all their ancestors. He then prays that the Lord will show them, by words of knowledge and visions, which dead ancestor it is that has latched onto them and needs releasing. He will then pray a prayer of deliverance, releasing that person so that the spirit of the dead person who's latched onto them can be released into God's hands and goes to heaven. Yeah. All right? Right, right. Because, firstly, these people actually come through. They get results. And at the same time, I mean, these people, they're having visions of Jesus doing it, releasing the ancestor. The point is, the fact that something works has got nothing to do with it. The question well, is, is it biblical? With respect, again, I think that uh, if someone is delivered from homosexuality and, and has been in a def desperate plight, because has come to recognize mm -hmm. themselves as being in a desperate plight, mm -hmm. and wants to be free, yeah. and they find themselves free, and there's tremendous relief, mm -hmm. and the fear is dealt with, uh, and uh, they come into a new ability to live and to enjoy life, mm -hmm. and that doesn't apparently break down. Now, I, you said it's going to. It's certainly very possible. On on a phone in program a few weeks ago, Blinda heard a guy phone in who is a homosexual. You know, he's a practicing homosexual, and he went to spiritualists and he was healed from AIDS. Who healed him? He went to a spiritualist. He went to a spiritualist and he was healed from AIDS. Who healed him? That was satanic. How how do you know it's satanic? Because spiritism is under the power of the devil. And how do you know spiritism well, we're is... We're talking about a spirit-filled person here, in, in the lady I mentioned. Kenneth McCall is a spirit-filled person. Who's healing them when Kenneth McCall is casting out the spirit of an ancestor? Who's doing that? So that if, it's not Jesus. If this woman uses so-called psychological techniques coupled with prayer, prayer, prayer in the name of Jesus, then she's under satanic bondage. The reason being, the technique that she's using is called visualis visualization or imaging. Visualization, which is now standard practice amongst psychologists, was developed thousands of years ago and is a standard occult practice and always has been. Always has been. There is absolutely nothing in the... I mean, you cannot look in the Bible and find the practice of visualization. Mm. It is occult. Words of knowledge, wouldn't that? Precisely. Or or effort, or yeah. Experience, yeah. Have yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, when you've got someone who's who's kind of got a problem, I mean, I'll give you another example. Now, this is from one of these women, and, and it's interesting, many of these people are women who shouldn't be in ministries like this. Yeah. Anyway, can you see, a woman shouldn't be the leader of a ministry team. Firstly, for precisely the reason that they end up deceived. But for instance, from, I mean, I could multiply stories that would make your hair stand on end. I'll do one. And again, this is a case book. It's in one of the books of the famous Christian prayer counsellor healers. All right? Now, what happened was that a woman came to her, and this woman was had loads and loads of emotional problems. Amongst other things, she was... Uh, she was born illegitimately, all right? 
her mother had fornicated and she was born illegitimate without a legal father. Now, it was traced back that her... Because what you do is that you take these people mentally back in time, which is a totally unscriptural idea. They, they actually take you back, almost in a trance, through visions, back to the thing that happened that they say caused the problem. When you're back there, through visions, you see Jesus making it right. Now, I mean, not only is this unbiblical, it's, it's silly. It's silly, it's just daft. But what happened was that this woman was counselled. This was by Christians, accompanied by visions and words of knowledge. This woman eventually, and remember, they're in a trance-like state now. And I mean it, they're in a trance-like state, having visions, stuff like that. Right, she went back and she was having a vision, and she, she was there while her mother was fornicating with this guy who was her father. All right? Now, her big problem was that she felt guilty because she was born of fornication. Now, the answer to that is this. There's no need to feel guilty because you're born of fornication. It's not your fault, is it? Can you see? I mean, firstly, they're creating problems that don't exist. You see, I mean, that is not the root problem of guilt, but they diagnosed it. She felt guilty because she was born of fornication. So the Lord, inverted commas, took her back in her imagination, and she witnessed the act of her mother fornicating with this man, Jesus appeared and blessed and sanctified that sexual union and made it holy. She was delivered from her guilt. Now, I mean, I'm not joking. These are people out there on the Christian scene. These are the accepted prayer counsellors. One of the leading lights of prayer counselling and one of the women who, who is kind of, she's almost the big queen of it all, and, and she started it off, was Agnes Sanford. All right, Agnes Sanford. Have you ever heard of Agnes yeah. Sanford? There is, there is. Now, I am not going to say that Agnes Sanford was not a genuine Christian when she was younger. She may well have been born again. When Agnes Sanford launched out into ministry, writing all her books about the gifts of the spirit and healing and healing of the memories, there's great doubt whether she was actually a Christian at all. She was a pantheist. She believed that the only thing that exists is God. Nothing is actually real. Therefore, imagination is equal to reality. By using your imagination, you can change reality because reality is imagination as well. Now, she actually believes... Now, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, and, and I mean, I could get her books, I could quote them. When Jesus became a man and died on the cross... He lowered his thought vibrations to the thought vibrations of man. And on the cross, he took, into, he took into himself the negative thoughts of sin and sickness and dealt with them. When he ascended, his blood was left on the earth in plasma form in the atmosphere. Have you heard enough? This is straight occultism. And yet Agnes Sanford is accepted as a Christian healer. And Christians doing all this prayer counselling, I mean, they are using techniques and teachings penned by people whose beliefs themselves were practically, well, were occult. Not practically, were occult. Agnes Sanford, be she a deceived Christian or not, is an occultist. Can you see how dangerous this is? This is incredible.
Um, or, for instance, another one, and this is one of the big women who's written one of these healing of the memories books. Someone came to her, greatly traumatised because of something that happened when they were young. All right? So the prayer counselling starts, you know, sort of like, you know, breathing deeply, concentrate on your breathing. That actually puts you into a bit of a stupor because your brain gets over-oxygenated. Can you see, these are techniques which are manipulative. Makes you very open, a bit like hypnotism. All right. And it was discovered that when she was a child, she woke up one night in bed and there was a burglar in her room. All right. That frightened her. That was the source of all her problems. All right. So then, what they did is they counseled her back in the imagination. Back they go. You, you know, you travel back in this imagination body back to the event. All right. So there she was. She saw herself as a little girl waking up and the burglar was in the room. Now, that apparently, it was that situation that frightened her and that caused all her emotional problems, which is highly dubious. No reason to believe that, but that is what they said. In this vision, she saw Jesus coming into that bedroom with the burglar there. What happened was that the burglar was ever so sorry for what he did. They went downstairs, her mum and dad got up, and they all had a meal with the burglar. And the little girl wasn't frightened because the burglar was a nice man. Now, can you see, what happened was... Why should the fears stem from, from this uh, trauma with the burglar? First of all, before I answer that, let's... What, what was happening there? Who was giving them these visions? Where were these visions coming from? Well, the vision sounds like trouble, but I can't understand but, why... Yeah, what right. People do get badly disturbed by an experience now. Why, why wouldn't that be the Right, okay, firstly, you see, this is all one system. The visions that they have when they've counselled someone back are absolutely crazy. But, the, but, but that is part of the same system of belief that counsels them back in time. Can you see what I mean? Now, the point is this. Let's say that someone has a problem that goes back to something that happened in their history. The answer to that problem isn't realising that, you know, Jesus making that thing that happened in the past all right, because you can't undo the past. What's happened in the past is in the past. I mean, if someone's dad beat them when they was a kid, beat them up, came home drunk and beat them up, you can't change that. That's a fact. Nothing can ever change that. What changes people is the realisation that Jesus is with them now and that he can... You know, he can change in us all the wrong reactions and resentments that we had. No, they sort of bad. All the resentments, and therefore, because we can be cleansed of those wrong reactions, we are cleansed of the bad effect that something in the past might have had on us. It's a totally different approach. Yeah, that's right, it is dubious. Because with these prayer counsellors, everyone who comes to them their problems are always because of something in the past because that's what prayer counsellors believe. It's like some people, they're over the top on demons. Everyone who comes to them with a problem, they discern demons in them. Can you see? Because that's their thing. And, and, and I mean, this is all the kind of deception that we get into if we don't all the time test everything against the Word of God. And you see, the point is this. This emotional healing stuff has only been around for a hundred years, all right? Now, my question is this. What was... What... For, for, for the last 1,900 years, 
How has the church been helping people with emotional problems? Can you see the point? Why do we need the modern stuff anyway?